0: The Lord is good. The Lord is always good. The goodness of the Lord is never ending, is everlasting. Um, You really can't uh, expend the fullness of His goodness because He is goodness itself. God is so good. He's a good God, and He is always good, all the time, in every situation. No matter what your head may tell you, no matter what other people may try to like lie on the Lord about, He is good, and He always does good. Actually, Psalm one nineteen tells you that He is good, and He does good. All of His ways are good. Uh, he is good in all of His ways. His thoughts, the way he thinks about you, when he has you on his mind, he has really good thoughts about you, really good thoughts towards you. He's not thinking like, how can I um, discourage them today? How can I distract them today? How can I show them how smart I am today? You know, he is love. And if you've ever read First Corinthians thirteen four through eight, what a dynamic um, picture we have of love at its source. And it is really uh, love as God has love and love as God is. And so I'm going to start out with that uh, real quickly, and then uh, we'll uh, get talking about faith in just a second. I didn't intend to read this one. I'm going to read it from Woos translation. It's my current meditation uh, translation that I use every morning, first thing when I get up. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. Love meekly and patiently bears ill treatment from others. Love, now, of course, this is once you're born again, you have the love of God, Romans 5, 5 poured into you in abundance. And so this is the love of God that we have to live our life with and to love each other with. But this is also the love of God, and this is how God thinks about you. When he looks at your situation, when he looks at your mistakes, when he looks at the things that you've done right, the things that you've done wrong, this is how he thinks about you. Love meekly and patiently bears ill treatment from others. I actually like the word meekness. I have to be careful so I don't preach this, but meekness, I was studying it a couple weeks ago, and they say like in our generation, we don't really use the word meek because it's almost come to mean like if you called a guy meek, you'd almost want to call him a sissy. But meekness actually means power under control. It actually means that you have power to do something about it, and you're choosing to not do anything. You're choosing to hold back. And so, love meekly and patiently bears ill-treatment from others. Love is kind, gentle, benign, pervading and penetrating the whole nature, mellowing all which would have been harsh and austere, Love is not envious, it does not brag, it does not show itself off, it is not ostentatious, in other words, putting itself out in the front, does not have an inflated ego, does not act unbecomingly, does not seek after the things which are its own. I mean, think about God. I mean, he's not seeking after things that are his own. He sent his own son as a sacrifice because he saw our condition and he loved us. Love is the most unselfish uh, essence really in the world. Does not seek after the things which are his own. Is not irritated, provoked, exasperated, aroused to anger, does not take into account the evil which it suffers, does not rejoice at the iniquity, but rejoices with the truth, endures all things, believes all things, hopes all things, bears up under all things, not losing heart or courage Love never fails. That's the love of God. And if you use the love of God and let the love of God flow through you, then you'll never fail because you're using the love of God and his love never fails. It never fades out, becomes obsolete or comes to an end, Amplified Translation says. And so the principal thing really is love. And in order to love, you actually are turning away from your self interests and everything that has to do with you and you're turning to someone else. It's a lot like our definition of faith. In order to trust God, you actually have to trust God, <laughs> right? And not yourself, and not your circumstances, and not the world system. You actually have to turn and trust God. And so last week we uh, talked about um, many scriptures, but we talked about Mark eleven twenty three and twenty four, and I'm going to pick up right there uh, this week, uh, actually with verse twenty two. Jesus answering said to them have faith in god. Uh, Mark 11:22. My margin says have the faith of god. One translation says have the god kind of faith. Another translation says lay hold on god's faithfulness. So Jesus is answering the disciples when they say, "Hey Jesus, you know, like yesterday you cursed this tree and it's withered up, but it's not just withered and died, it's withered and died from the roots." the very source, right? So if you're talking about sickness or disease in your body, you want to get rid of sickness or disease, if you go to the doctor, most generally what happens is they treat the symptom, not necessarily the cause. Now, sometimes they'll go and they'll say, well, it's a cancer and we want to cut it out. So we want to try and get rid of that cancer. But sometimes, and they don't know, like, well, we thought we got it all and it tries to come back. But Jesus goes right to the root and he cursed that tree. From the roots, it dried up. And he said, answering them when they're like marveling and they're like, Lord, like how, how did this happen? What happened? Explain this to us. Um, he says, have the God kind of faith or lay hold, like grab hold of God's faithfulness. So immediately he's telling us, this is not of yourselves. Just like salvation It's by faith that you're saved through grace, or by grace that you're saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is what? The gift of God, lest anyone should boast. And so Jesus is saying the exact same thing right here before that epistle was written. Lay hold on God's faithfulness. In other words, you're marveling. You're like, whoa, this is amazing. How in the world did that happen? He's saying, grab hold of something of God, And that something of God is the faithfulness of God. Grab hold of God's faithfulness. Yeah. Grab hold onto God's faithfulness. It really fits with the love scripture that we read because you can't love like that from yourself. That kind of love is from God and of God. And that love goes beyond yourself. And so walking in love is much like walking in faith in that you have to put yourself aside. I remember uh, Paul, by the Holy Spirit, even said if you look at, you want to look at what Christ and the church are like, look at what marriage is like between a husband and a wife. Because Jesus gave himself up for the church just as a husband gives himself up for his wife. And he's like, you know, excuse me, this is a mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Excuse me. <coughs> They're getting one. Oh, thank you. It was there, it just disappeared. <coughs> excuse me. Um, but Jesus said, have faith in God or lay hold on God's faithfulness. I want to give today a couple of um, examples from the Word of God that really um, illustrate because I was planning to finish last week and felt like we needed to go over these. So let's look at Mark chapter 5, verse 25. Um, We'll turn over there in just a second. But Jesus said, after he said, have faith in God or lay hold on God's faithfulness, That's kind of like the foundation, okay? We have the foundation of this is all about, (coughs) excuse me, God and from God. Then he said, For verily I say to you, whosoever shall say to this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things that he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Well, are you going to have whatever you say? Not necessarily. If you believe in your heart, you're going to have whatever you say. So you just have to believe in your heart? Well, how can you believe in your heart? Well, Romans chapter 10, um, verse nine, 9 and 10 tell us that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, master, some translations say, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be what? Saved. If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord. So when are you actually saved? After you confess Jesus as Lord. And again, I pray with, uh, you know, numbers of people to receive Jesus Christ as like, kind of overburdened, and every single time, no exceptions, the person is like kind of overburdened with like, oh, they have like conviction on them, and they're, they're uh, knowing they need something else, and until they confess Jesus as Lord, their demeanor doesn't change. But the second they confess Jesus as Lord, something supernatural happens and it affects their whole being from the inside to the outside. And they are born again and the heavy weight that was on them rolls off of them. And many times they can't explain it. Many times they don't expect it. They're like, I feel so light. I don't don't understand. What is this? Well, they just did what Jesus talked about. They believed in their heart, Jesus Lord, confess with their mouth, and they're born again. And so Jesus said the same thing with your mountain, you know, the mountain um, of sickness, the mountain of depression, the mountain that's in your life or trying to distract you. Thank you. He said, you speak to that mountain. Don't leave that mountain where it is, but you speak to that mountain. You say, Like how Pastor Mark says, for most people, it's a local number. You don't have to call an 800 number, you know, 1-800-MOUNTAIN. You can just call uh, 703-MOUNTAIN or 571-MOUNTAIN. And you can talk to that mountain, and you speak to that mountain, and your mountain needs to hear your voice. Not my voice, but your voice. Your mountain needs to hear your voice. Uh, And you say, be removed and cast into the sea, and don't doubt in your heart. But believe the things that you say shall come to pass. You'll have whatever you say. Okay? So I don't want to re-preach all of that. Uh, That's just kind of like to set the stage. So let's turn over to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. Over in Mark chapter 5, we see uh, the story of the woman with the issue of blood. Start with verse 25, uh, reading in New King James. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things of many, many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard of Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may but touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Uh I'll pause a second. Let me see. In Wu's translation, it actually says, for she kept saying, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And this is one of the real keys to receiving uh, healing in your body is, in other words, you find a point where you see in the word, well, this is true concerning healing. And then you put your focus on that and you put your faith on that. So sometimes it's to have hands laid on you. And so for her, it was, if I can just touch even the edge of his garment, she probably wanted to lay hands on her, but she said, I don't even need that. If I can touch just the edge of his clothes, I'll be whole. But she didn't just say it one time. She kept saying, literally in the Greek it says that. That's why I like the Woos translation. Uh, she kept saying, if I, touch, if I can just touch his clothes, if I can just touch the, really, if I just touch the edge, if I can just touch the edge, I'll be whole. If all I have to do is touch the edge, as soon as I touch the edge, um, I'm gonna be whole. And so she kept meditating on this. And, and um, she kept saying it. Verse 29, immediately the fountain of her uh, blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned him around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? So he was even aware that something had happened. And they had this big crowd, you know, just bumping into each other, like uh, we went down for inauguration, probably something like that, where you can't even hardly move, and you know, all these people are there. But his disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging you, and you say, who touched me? The audacity to speak to Jesus that way, right? And he (laughs) Sometimes we make uh, everybody too pious. And he looked around to see who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. So it was her faith that made her well. Because she said, actually it says, when she had heard of Jesus, remember faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How can they hear unless there's a preacher? So she must have heard, you know, uh, there's this man, healings, different things happening. And then she said, well, if I could just touch the edge of his clothes, I'll be whole. If I could just touch the edge of his clothes, I'll be whole. Even though she had circumstances contrary to that, that she had spent all of her money. She had no money left. She spent of her living and she didn't get anything better. She actually got worse. But as soon as she heard of Jesus, then she said, If you're silent, you lose by default. In other words, you've already lost if you're not going to speak. You don't just look at the mountain and say, wow, that's, a, that's an amazing mountain. Uh, have you ever seen a mountain that big? Have you ever seen a mountain with that much snow on the top? It's so high there's snow in July. It's like Mount Hood in Oregon. You know, Like, you ever seen this you know, this mountain? And, hey, look at this side of the mountain. And Let me tell you about this mountain. Let me Google the mountain. And I'll tell you what it looks like on the other side of the mountain. Because Google will tell me what it looks like on the other side of the mountain. Why is that? Sometimes your flesh is like more interested in like what everybody else has to say about a situation than what the word of God has to say about the situation. But which is more real? The word of God. The word of God actually is the foundation for the very world that we live in, for the very substance that we see is the word of God. Of course, one of our main scripture texts here, Hebrews 11, 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So somebody said, well, uh, how can you say that? How can you, you say that you're healed? You have no uh, physical evidence for that. You know, so, no, my faith is evidence. I have substance. And what's seen is actually affected by the unseen. Brother Hagin used to say, if you don't like what you have in life, change what you've been saying. Because in some measure, what you experience today is what you said yesterday, not Sunday and Saturday." You know, like what I have today is because of what I said yesterday. But in the past, you've been saying some stuff. And now what you're experiencing is the fruit of what you've been saying on the positive and on the negative. And so Jesus said, um, whatever you believe in your heart, don't doubt and say, uh, it'll come to pass. I want to give you a really, uh, probably my favorite illustration of that. And it's over in Numbers chapter 13 and chapter 14. Numbers chapter 13 and chapter 14. And I'm going to, for the sake of time, I'm just going to read a few uh, of the scriptures. Hopefully you know um, the story. Uh, basically, the Lord told Moses to send out spies into the land of Canaan because I, he said, I've given you this land. And they sent out the spies. The spies come back and they have a report. And uh, this is where we pick up. So Numbers chapter 13 verse 1, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, send man to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, every one, a leader among them. And then verse 17, then Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, go up this way uh, into the south and go up into the mountains and see what the land is like. Whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, few or many Whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are forests or not, be of good courage, and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. Okay, let's pick up again in verse 27. Well, verse 26 for context. "'Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron "'and all the congregation of the children of Israel "'in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. "'They brought back word to them and to all the congregation "'and showed them the fruit of the land. "'Then they told them and said, "'We went to the land where you sent us. "'It truly flows with milk and honey, "'and this is its fruit.' Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. That is the words of a man of faith. Those are words of faith. Verse 31, but the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report, or literally King James, I like how King James says it better, an evil report of doubt and unbelief uh, of the land to which they had spied out, saying, the land which we have... Uh, gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people whom we saw in it were men of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak, come from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. And then, um, chapter fourteen, verse one. So the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, if, we, if only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if we had died in this wilderness. So they're crying and saying, Man, we, I, I just wish we would have died in Egypt, or what if we, just, we should just die in this wilderness? Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword, for that our wives and children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, let us select a leader and return to Egypt. How fast they're like falling away. You know, when when, when things aren't going well, the crowd mentality is almost always wrong. I, I have to, to tell you that. Even in... Um, Genesis, where we see, like, the Tower of Babel. Like, going with the crowd many times is not the the correct way to go. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly and the congregation of the children of Israel. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of uh, Jephna, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. And they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying... The land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into the land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. So the Lord um, gets upset at the children of Israel, and it's like, you know, I'm going to kind of like wipe them out. You know, I can't believe they're, they're acting like this. They saw miracle after miracle after miracle. So Moses intercedes for them and prays for them. And then we pick up in verse 20. Then the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word. But truly as I live, all the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. Because all of these men who have seen my glory and the signs which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and have put me to the test now these ten times and have not heeded my voice. They certainly shall not see the land which I swore to their fathers, nor shall um, any of those who rejected me see it. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land where he went. Skip down to verse 26. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, How long will I bear with this evil congregation who complain against me? I have heard the complaints which the children of Israel make against me. Say to them, this is where I wanted to get to, As I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will do to you. The carcasses of you who have complained against me shall fall in the wilderness. All of you who were numbered according to your entire number from 20 years old and above, except Caleb, son of Jephna, and Joshua, son of Nun, you shall by no means enter the land which I swore I would make you to dwell in. And so the sobering fact is that the Lord did exactly what they said they believed and then they spoke. They said, would to God that we had died in Egypt or died right here in the wilderness. And the Lord then did exactly what they said they wanted. I thank God for his mercy and his grace when we've said stuff and you're like, oh. Some people like Elijah said, oh, I wish I was dead. I wish I was dead. You know, the Lord knows he doesn't mean that because he was running to try and save his life. Um, So sometimes people say stuff. But have you ever been with a group of people that get kind of complainy and bitter and all of a sudden you, you kind of get this, uh, I don't know how to describe it except for it feels evil, kind of like rising up within you. And like you, you you, say something and you're like, ooh, I should not have said that. And you say like, Lord, forgive me. Because really if you believe that and speak it and you don't confess it, you got something coming your way that you've actually set in motion yourself. I remember, and I was trying to look up the story and I, I couldn't find it this morning, but I'm going to just... Uh, paraphrase it because I thought it was an amazing story. Brother Hagen one time was uh, praying and talking to the Lord and the Lord was talking to him about his ministry and a uh, certain direction for his ministry. And the Lord told him, he said, I'm going to do with you according to your own words, what you've been speaking. And he was like, what do you mean? And he had been preaching some certain things and that's exactly what the Lord did with him. See, the words that we speak and that we believe are very important, and they set the course of our life for good or for bad. So you saw the woman with the issue of blood, she said it for good. But uh, the Hebrew children, uh, at least the representatives of 10 of the tribes, they said it for bad. You know, the Lord went on to say, you know, I'm not going to like let the children die, but they're going to actually have to suffer the brunt of this in the wilderness because of what the parents did. But then the children actually would get to go in, those that were under 20. And so interesting thing about the Lord is he will bless us as much as we will let him, as much as we'll position ourselves. People say like, Well, why does this stuff, uh, bad stuff happen in the earth? Why does this happen, that happen? You know, he gave us authority. He gave the church authority. He gave so much authority to Adam that when Adam sold out to the devil, he had the right to sell out to the devil. And that's when Satan became the God of this world. When Satan became the God of this world, then he's like searching around, seeking someone he can devour. He's trying to destroy people, trying to hurt people because he is not good. Like God is good, but God is good in all of his ways. And the only way that God could fix the whole mess was for Jesus to come and to get back that authority. God wasn't caught off guard. Jesus was like a lamb slain before the foundation of the world. But God, in his uh, foresight and foreknowledge, made a plan that was a perfect plan so that every man and woman on the face of the earth could come back into perfect fellowship with God himself and that every man and woman could actually receive and operate in the very faith of God. Second Corinthians 4.13 says, We have the same spirit of faith as David had when he ran at Goliath with a sling and a stone. And I'm not going to read it for the sake of time, but do you know David did the exact same thing? He said, I will cut off your head to the giant. I will cut off your head this day, and I'll feed your carcass to the birds of the air, and I'll feed the carcasses of all those that are serving with you to the birds of the air. And then he did what he said, and he got what he said. And so even in a Bible story like that, that probably you may have heard from a young child, the... The, what do you call it? The definition of faith is seen. You can see how faith works. That you believe in your heart, and you speak with your mouth, and you have what you say. Where the big uh, um, challenge is, is what you feel and what you see. So I've used this story a lot, so I'm going to use it again. And that was this uh, lady that was in a wheelchair for four years... She's in the wheelchair. And uh, at the end of the service, she goes to uh, Brother Hagen to be ministered to. And, um, you know, she was reading 1 Peter 2 24. And he said, Is that past, present, or future? By whose stripes you were healed. And she said, Well, that's past. All of a sudden, she saw, uh, the Lord kind of lit up the word to her. And she saw, she said, Well, if it's past, then I was healed. And if I was healed, then I am healed. And he said, Good. He said, Now I want you to do something for me. Because he wanted to get her. Before she was stopped The way most of us are stopped And that is By looking at Natural circumstances And natural things So what he did is he got her praising the Lord because that scripture was true Before he ever Had her get up out of the chair to walk So that she had Solid ground to walk on What's the solid ground she walked on? Faith She said Lord, I want to thank you. You know how I got tired I got of sitting in this chair for four years. You know how I didn't like that I couldn't help myself, that I had to have someone help me. I'm so thankful I can do things for myself now. I'm so thankful I don't have to be in this chair anymore. She hadn't moved an inch. That sounds a lot like Mark 11:23. 23. Say to this mountain, be removed, cast into the sea, not doubt in her heart, but believe those things that she says shall come to pass. She'll have whatever she says, or he'll have whatever he says. Because what happens? Well, reason starts to come in, and the devil many times will accommodate you and say like, well, you haven't walked in four years. Yeah, you may like see that scripture, but you know, you know that doesn't work for you. That's for other people. That's not for you. That's the exact same thing that happened to Brother Hagin when he was, had three incurable diseases. He started to get light. He could have got up like six months out of uh, being paralyzed before he got up. But all of a sudden, those, he had that light on the scripture, and then all of a sudden, those thoughts started to come, and they put that light out, because he gave those thoughts place. Until finally, like in the fall of the year, then he's like, he started looking again, and he had something on the inside. Go look at that again. It's right there. It's right there. And this time, he kind of knew, like, okay, I'm not going to listen to anything that doesn't line up with this. So that woman in that, back to the woman in the chair, she... Began to praise the Lord and thank the Lord. And then he said, Okay, now get up and walk. And she leaped out of the chair and jumped and walked and ran up and down the aisle. Kim sat back down in the chair, jumped up out of the chair again, and she was never paralyzed again. Because the word works. Because Jesus is the healer, and Jesus healed us already, we just actually have to receive what he has done for us. And we do that by faith, and faith speaks, and faith declares, and faith rejoices, and faith is full of joy, and faith expects, remember? even from the whole beginning. Faith is like confident expectation. It's trust, it's belief, it's obedience, it's awe of God, you know, in fear of God, understanding the awesomeness of God, understanding that, well, okay, my head might not understand this, it might not make sense to my head, it might not make sense to, you know, the psychiatrist, but this is what the word says, and the word is true, and the word cannot fail. The word says what it means, and means what it says. Stand with me, if you will. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you'd like to know him, he loves you, he died for you, he paid the price for you. You can't possibly make yourself good enough to come to him. Don't even try. Many times people want to try. Once I start living right, then I'm going to come to the Lord. He's not even asking that. He said, let me fix that for you. I'll live a life... um, for you, that set you free from the power of all of that stuff over you. Jesus Christ died for your sins. He was raised again so that you could have the same kind of life that he has and the same kind of relationship with God that he has. That when you pray, God with open arms is welcoming you in and looking for you. If you're here this morning you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I invite you to lift up your hand. I'd love to pray with you and for you. See you in the kingdom of God, free from all the power of the devil and all the power of the enemy. If you're listening online, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I invite you to email us at info at anchordc.org. We'd love to pray with you and for you and get some good material into your hands. Thank you, Father. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. That your word is alive and powerful. That your word opens up the pathway that we can see and that we can know your plan for our lives. That we can see and we can know what you've called us to do and how you've called us to live. That we don't have to live barely getting along, barely making it. But that we can live the way Jesus paid for us to live as more than conquerors above and not beneath, the head and not the tail, blessed in every area of our lives. Father, I pray for each and every one of us that you'll keep this word alive in us, that we wouldn't just listen to the word and not do it, Father, but we will live out your word in our lives, at home, at work, and wherever we go. In Jesus' name, amen.